Let's Get Growing is live streamed Saturday mornings on the Urban Gardener YouTube channel at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to come join us for all the great gardening conversations. Hey gardeners, thanks for watching the Urban Gardener channel. It's our summer season. Now let's get growing. All right, everyone, welcome to Let's Get Growing, your weekly gardening live cast right here on the Urban Gardener channel. My name is Enoch and I'm gonna be your host today. We have a couple of really great guests to join with us on the program today. Later on, we have Gary Polarchik of the Rusted Garden joining with us as our featured guest. And this week's channel of the week, we have Paul from Guten Gardening. So be sure to stay tuned for all of those great gardening conversations with our really great guests this week. And uh, I hope that all of you are having a wonderful gardening week yourself. And if you're joining with us here live, be sure to leave a comment for us in our chat box there. Any comments or questions or anything like that. And um We'll try to get to those here a little bit later in the show and if you have any questions for our guests be sure to ask those as well too and we can ask them to our guests while we're talking to them as well and also be sure to hit that like button there give us a big thumbs up for uh for our show and all of our great guests also Subscribe to the channel if you haven't subscribed so far. Hit the bell notification so you'll be notified of all of our upcoming episodes. And of course, be sure to share our show and our channel with all of your garden friends, and garden groups, and let everybody know that we're out here having some really fun gardening conversations here on our channel with some really awesome, awesome gardeners. And um, as well, too, Go check out our website at letsgetgrowing.live. There you can see all of our upcoming guests and check out even some of our previous guests as well, too. Plus, you can sign up for um, our newsletter as well as join in on the show. Um, you can do one of our audience introductions or share with us some of your garden stories and be featured uh, in our garden features here later on in the season. And um, yeah, it's really great to have all of you here with us today. Uh, really glad to get things started back up here. We've actually been kind of on a little bit of a break over the last couple of weeks, kind of our late spring before summer break. Now we're just getting started with our summer season here on the Let's Get Growing show. Plus, we've got all sorts of really great content lined up for you as well, too, for the Urban Gardener channel. We should have a new garden journal video coming up here real soon, and uh, we'll be doing some real fun garden tours and different things like that in our various different garden projects that we have here as well, too. Um, we've got, because we've got so much going on right now, it is that busy time of the garden season and um i've been just working 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 trying to get everything together and also kind of trying to catch up from being behind on a lot of things because of my uh, situation here in the gardens over the last several months but everything's all 
good now. We're all set to go. And uh, so I'm really enjoying getting out there in the gardens and getting things planted out and everything's starting to take shape and looking really good. A lot of our uh, cold season crops actually are actually probably fastly coming to an end here in our garden. I expect a lot of things to start heading to seed here real soon because um, just like the last couple of years here for us, I garden out of Southern Oregon here on the West Coast. And um, last couple of seasons, it seems like we've got a nice uh, spring. Everything looks really great. The weather's perfect. And then all of a sudden, summer just decides to drop on us out of nowhere. In fact, we had our first 90 degree day a few weeks ago towards the end of April. And now over the last few weeks, we've been kind of hovering around the 90 degrees. And so I'm just anticipating that uh, summer's just uh, going to start rolling on us here. And uh, we're just going to have to keep moving on. I've got all sorts of different things, though, for our summer crops all seeded out. And our plant seedlings and starts are pretty much all ready to get out into the garden. And uh, it's about time to get working on all of that. And, um, you know, we've got tons of different things that I want to get growing this year. We've got uh, lots of tomatoes, lots of peppers, squash, cucumbers, melons, all sorts of things that are ready to get planted out in the garden. So um, for this week's conversation, though, too, as we'll get with everybody here a little bit later in the show, I want to hear about all the things that you've got growing on or the different seedlings and starts that you're getting planted out in your garden. So be sure to jump into our comment section and our chat box here and join the conversation. Let me know what you have growing on in your gardens right now as well, too. And again, I want to thank you all so much for joining with me here, too. So let's get started with our first segment of the show. And as we talked about in our last show a couple of weeks ago, we've been doing In the Garden with our friend Mark Roche Colbert. But he's had to take a leave from the show in order to uh, help out his wife who is dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis recently. So um, we wish him and his family all the best, and we look forward to possibly having him back on the show later on down the road. But for now, we're just going to kind of man the In the Garden segment ourselves, and uh, hopefully everything will be going all right with that as well, too. So um, let's check out what I've got going on in the garden. So this week in the garden, I'm talking about hardening off our indoor grown plant seedlings. Now we get all of our seedlings started several weeks before our last frost date here under our seed starting station, which is just basically a few different shop lights hanging from a PVC apparatus that I built several years ago. Now our shop lights are really simple. They're just, I think about 5,000 lumen daylight bulbs. And those do really well at getting our seedlings started and growing. But the issue with those is, is that it's only so much light and they gotta get out into the garden under the real sun. 
but we can't just take these right from our seed starting station and throw them right out into the sun. Otherwise, they're just gonna get really burnt up because that sunlight is a lot more extreme than these bulbs are. So we've gotta kinda take it easy on them and kinda give them a, just a little bit of an adjustment to that new light. So the process of getting these hardened off to be in the sunlight full time is going to take a few days. And what we're going to do is take these seedlings from indoors under the shop lights on day one. And we're just going to put them in a nice shady spot outdoors. Now, there's still a lot of light that's in this shade, especially on a nice sunny day like we've got today. So they are getting just a little bit more light than what's coming off of those shop lights. And so a good shady day to get them started off on day one is a great way to get them started. Now, one of the things you want to consider when hardening off your plants is the time of day that you are bringing your plants out. I prefer to do mine earlier in the day, but you might not have that time available to do so, and you only have mid or late day to do that. Just consider that the intensity of the sun is just going to be a little bit more during those midday times, and you'll want to kind of cut back the time that you're having them outside. And also, one of the things you can do in order to help with timing is to use some of those spaces in your garden that eventually turn to shade by using some walls or different things in your garden that will eventually uh, shade out the plants. Now, you just have to know your garden spaces in order to know where that's going to happen. But it's a good way to make sure that in case you kind of forget about it for a minute, you're not leaving them out in the intense sun for too long. And also, you wanna consider the fact that these plants, again, have been growing indoors and it's also warmer indoors than it is at nighttime. So over those first day or two that we're leaving them in the shade, and these first few days that we're bringing them into the sun, we're also taking them back indoors in order to also eventually acclimate them to being outdoors overnight as well. So after having them in the shade for a couple of days, we're bringing them into the sun for those first couple of days for just an hour or so is what I do. And then I'll move them back into the shade for just a little bit and then I'll bring them indoors. And then we'll gradually each day increase the time that we're allowing them to be in the sun. And then I would say maybe day five, six, you know, or so, then we're gonna start gradually allowing them to stay outdoors during the evening just a little bit longer. And then about seven to 10 days of doing this and increasing our time uh, we're going to have plants that are ready to be not only left outdoors all day long, but also all night long as well too. And once they've done and gone through all of that process, they're going to be ready to plant out into your garden.
couple of other things to consider while you're hardening off your indoor plant seedlings is the overall weather conditions in your area. Now for me and my forecast, we've got full sun ahead of us and I wanna make sure that I'm really gradually bringing them out into that sunlight in order to ensure the best results. But for you, you might have some cloudy or overcast conditions in your forecast. So if that's the case, then you can Horrible. increase what that time just a bit. Now, if I'm going to have them out for just an hour in the full sun, I might do two hours in some really overcast or filtered sunlight through those clouds. And you want to consider the wind as well, too. You could have just a nice moderately windy day, which would be really great for your plant starts because that'll just help the stems and the roots get nice and strong. But if it's gonna be really windy out, you might wanna prepare for those conditions as well too, because you don't want your plants just getting whipped all over the place because like having them out in the sun just a little too long, that's gonna maybe cause some damage or stunt the growth of your plant starts. Now, hopefully you've got enough good information here to help you get your indoor plant starts hardened off really well, but this is something that really you're going to have to gain some experience on and knowing not just your area, but the temperament of your different plants that you're growing, and hopefully you'll get them out into the garden nice and healthy and nice and strong. So that'll be our In the Garden for this week. We'll see you all in the garden this next Saturday. All right, all right. So there we go. Just a little bit of information on hardening off all of your indoor plant starts that you get started indoors. We get a lot of different things started indoors. Again, like I was saying in the video, several weeks before uh, our last frost date so that we can get all of those plants a nice head start on the season and get them growing. Again, I kind of wish I had gotten a better head start this year like I usually do in normal years, but everything's growing so well right now. I'm looking forward to having all of them doing just fine in the garden this, this year as well too. All right. So moving along on the show here i want to get the conversation started with our first guest this week on our channel of the week segment hi my name is nathan hey guys what's up i'm rachel hi whoa we don't need to see that twice <laughs> all right for our first channel of the week of our summer season, we have with us um, Paul from Guten Gardening. And uh, Paul and his family have been gardening in Wisconsin for the past seven years. Was started as a three foot by three foot raised bed, has transformed now uh, to the entire exterior of their small property and a good bit of their indoor space as well. They have been sharing their journey They've been sharing their journey on YouTube for nearly three years. Their goal of food self-sufficiency started with one small step of reducing the produce they were buying at the store and has now expanded to growing nearly all of their needed fruits and vegetables. 
and raising enough quail to provide all the eggs and some of the protein they need as well. They hope to encourage as many others to give more attention to gardening, whether that means attempting gardening for the first time, expanding their current garden spaces, or growing as much of their food as possible. All right, everyone, let's welcome to the show Paul from Guten Gardening. How are you doing, Paul? It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. I am fantastic. A beautiful day here. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Again, thanks for joining with us on the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your YouTube channel, Guten Gardening. Well, thank you very much. We started this actually right at the beginning of COVID a couple of years ago. I was able to um, take a little bit of extra time to do something we've wanted to do for a long time, which is to show some of what we're doing in our, we'll call it a gardening journey what we're developing and share some of what we have been trying to learn as a part of the process of becoming better gardeners and more effective gardeners. And so that's where our channel itself came from. But the, the process of gardening for us hasn't actually been a long one, because even though I, I grew up on a farm until I was about five years old, and I remember some pieces of gardening from that time, I remember specifically, I think I was probably seven years old i went back down to the farm to visit my grandparents and i remember they sent me outside to sit on a five gallon bucket and pick green beans which at the time the thing i remember the most from that is my back hurting the sun being really <laughs> really hard on my head which may be why i wear a hat um, but i remember those pieces but it really wasn't an integral part of our lives here up until about seven years ago and i i truly believe that gardening is one of those very healthy addictions out there because we started, yes. as I said, with that, that three by three bed. And I think if I remember correctly, we tried to grow a summer squash, a watermelon, and then we had a bunch of other stuff packed in there that didn't do much of anything because it was packed too tightly. But that, that experience, you know, brings back a lot of, I guess, a lot of memories from some of those pieces from childhood, but it just, it's that experience of watching things grow, of developing that pushed us to say, well, what else can we do on our property? And, and from that point forward, we, we bought another three by three raised bed, which is the last time we, we bought a raised bed that I can remember. And we, we made it so that we could extend it to become a three by nine bed by getting rid of the sides. We expanded that year and then we just started getting rid of lawn and Believe it or not, that's a lot of work to get rid of lawn, but we got rid of a lot of lawn and we're at a point now where between raised beds, between the the root stout gardening that we do and, and vertical gardening, etc., we don't have very much of a lawn to mow, to take care of it all. It's just food, food, food. So that's where that's where we came from. It's not been a long time, but we certainly have been learning a lot along the way. Awesome. Yeah, excellent. That's, you know, really great. And um, like you said, coming out of uh, like the pandemic and being kind of at home a lot and all of that is really, I think, kind of helped flourish the whole like gardening community and show people a lot about, um, you know, how important doing some of that stuff is as well, too, which is a lot of what you cover on your channel. So real quick, though, um, when was your actual first gardening experience? So 
I mean, as somebody who grew up on a farm, I, I don't know if we could call it gardening so much as farming, not that they're different, but they kind of are. I do remember going out even as a you know, three or four year old. It's some of my early memories, I, I would say, going out and picking corn and and being there with my grandfather as we went up uh, taking care of bales of hay and corn and everything else, but, but getting out there and, and just pulling it off. It's also my first introduction to earwigs. That experience because actually, you know, that was a time, the first time I ever had corn raw, but, but getting in there and, and experiencing that. And then, you know, my grandfather uh, also grew a pretty good number of tomatoes and, you know, tomatoes are one of those crops where you kind of get spoiled eating the ones that you get at the store and the taste of those versus when you, when you have them fresh. And so I remember yeah. that from a very young age, just experiencing corn and tomatoes. I, those are the two things that stand out to me as my earliest, earliest memories. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those darn earwigs too, man. I'm telling you that <laughs> they have been the bane of my existence in my garden space for sure. I mean, they just, uh, I'm still, you know, I, I've tried almost every tactic there is. I'm trying to uh, deal with them and get rid of them. But, uh, you know, they, they just seem to like, I don't know, no matter what you kind of throw at them, they seem to kind of even resist that and then show up even stronger the next year. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man. But they're uh, creepy well, looking, too. It doesn't help that they, the way they look. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, a lot of bugs. I've been kind of okay with throughout my life, you know, especially when I was younger and I was a kid and, um, you know, a lot of them that would really kind of like, you know, especially like spiders. I've always really kind of uh, been fascinated with spiders and, and that sort of thing, you know, which would really creep out most people. But I remember seeing my first earwig when I was younger and it was uh, the creepiest thing and it still is today, but you know, <laughs> I, and I so, hate seeing them anyway, anytime <laughs> I do in the garden. And especially, especially it's one thing to see one of them, but when you run into like a nest of them where they're all different sizes and they're running all over the place, they're scurrying as they do pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go too far down this necessarily, but I do remember uh, my, my grandmother um, and she had a, a chicken coop that she modified to, be just a storage space because they got rid of their chickens and the door to it was a sliding big sliding wooden door and I remember very distinctly I was probably eight or nine opening that door and the nest of them just fell right in front because oh. they were right up on top of the door hadn't been opened at all oh. it's a moment you don't that's a that's a scarring moment <laughs> <laughs> oh that certainly would be oh my I can't I can't even imagine I just can't even imagine. I mean, like I said, I'm really cool with most bugs and most things that you find in the garden. It's those earwigs that just completely mm. creep me out. Oh, yeah, again, you know, and again, like you said, it's their, their look. You know, you look at that little hook at the end of them, mm. you know, and oh, just imagine Absolutely. grabbing a hold of you or something. But <laughs> no, thanks. We're so All much right. bigger, and yet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. So what is it in the garden? What do you enjoy most in your garden space? What, you know, about the whole process of gardening? Yeah, I, I mean, I think 
life is pretty stressful no matter what. I, we all have to mm -hmm. deal with stress in our own way. We all are busy. I don't think I can discount anybody and say that somebody's busier than I, I don't know how you quantify that. But yeah, to me, it's it's kind of like I would say fishing or camping or something like that. Time just seems to slow down a little bit when you're out in the garden. Maybe it's because everything else is there aren't the distractions there's just the, the the nature the birds the the experience of being out there and to me that that experience is what makes one of the things that makes it so particularly special and you know today even i got out around 6 30 this morning to get a little bit of work done and you know i'm an early morning person no matter what but there's nothing going on out there except what I need to get done. And I'm moving my hands in the earth and yeah, it's just the, the overall experience is relaxing, enjoyable. And I know the end product, there may be some frustration along the way, but the end product is going to be something I'm going to really, and my, and my family is really going to enjoy. Yes, absolutely. I, and you know, something I talk about all the time is, you know, that's the one thing I think I really found out of the whole gardening experience myself was that, you know, that kind of time where you just got, you know, you got kind of a peaceful time to yourself to kind of analyze and reflect on everything else that's going on. You get the chance to kind of process things in a way by, you know, by taking care of these different uh, spaces and plants and different things like that. I mean, I'm one of those people who, you know, I, I have a few kind of automatic watering systems set up around my gardening, but I really enjoy just hand watering things and being able to take that time just kind of walking around the garden and being able to, again, reflect on things and think about things and all of that. And that just really kind of helps kind of what bring a little bit of uh, serenity to your life a little bit. Yes. And I, and I, you know, I think that's probably, you know, above all of the food and all that sort of stuff that we get to grow, which is great which I think is probably the second best thing out of the garden. But that's, you know, that peace of mind that we get after taking the time in our garden space is always, always such a valuable thing that we get from our gardening experience. Yeah, they call it garden therapy for a reason. I mean, it, it truly is cathartic. The, well, the I, <laughs> I remember a T-shirt that said the best day fishing is better or the worst day fishing is better than the best day at work. Well, the worst yeah. day of gardening is better than just about anything else I can think of. And and it's a family affair. I mean, I, I, have, I have a couple yes. two children and, and my wife and we get out there together. So it's a shared experience. It's something that I know is generational. So if we can pass on a love to our children, then that's a practice that's going to benefit their families and their families. And so a big picture. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal craft and, and experience. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. That That's, you know, nothing more better to do as well, too, than to share the experience with others. And uh, when you got a family and young kids to be able to do that, that's really awesome. You know, be able to bring them up with that experience, you know, I think is a really great thing for young kids. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see, what are some of your uh, favorite things to grow in your garden? <laughs> well, that's a, it's, a tough it's, it's actually not, a, it's, it's, it's a hard question, but it's kind of, in a way it's not, I guess for us, it, we have, I think we have 490 videos now. And if you, if you search potato on ours, you probably find sweet potato and potato take up about 25 to 28% of those videos, because I 
absolutely love the experience of growing both of those. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, there's so many other vegetables I could mention, but those stand out not just because of the, you know, especially for sweet potatoes, the nutritional benefit, but the experience of a harvest of yeah. something that you can't, I mean, you can check on by pulling some early potatoes, but, but you don't yeah. see what's happening. And then the, we call it treasure hunting around here, but the experience <laughs> of going through that harvest and finding what's below the surface and seeing what that 90, 100, 110 days has looked like, what that's transformed into. I, I just, I think that experience is something like no other. And so I would say potatoes, tomatoes, those are our favorites. Um, I'm sorry, potatoes and sweet potatoes. Tomatoes though, are one of my personal favorites. Just I, I call it yeah. garden candy. It's it's the cherry tomatoes in general. It's I don't know I, when I'm walking the garden. We've got lots of berry bushes, etc. But walking the garden and I want a snack. I can pop over, grab some tomatoes, and and just keep going. So yeah, it's a hard question. It's an easy question. I, I don't know how to say it, but we've grown so many varieties of different things that I'm going to stick with my potato sweet potato answer. And even <laughs> though we're in a, a cold weather zone i mean moderately cold zone with zone five here in wisconsin and, and sweet potatoes are a little harder to grow here i think partly you know there's a shorter growing season it's still something we like to do we just got uh 500 sweet potato slips in plus the ones that we started here so we're planning to grow a ton of them this year oh yeah the 500 that's are they all different varieties yeah we got uh seven eight different varieties that we order we got them from tater man and we've, we've done that the last couple of years they've, they've done a, a pretty nice job um it was a georgia's plant farm and uh a couple new varieties to us a couple uh tried and true varieties that we've done well with the Beauregard, georgia jet and centennial some of the ones that we really love the taste of that have produced nice size uh nice size sweet potatoes for us and so um, but yeah, we, we should have, I think this year, all told, we'll end up with somewhere like 10 different varieties of sweet potatoes that we're going to be planting and wow. growing. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I really share with you that, uh, that you know, that uh, idea that, you know, growing potatoes is fun because of the uh, mystery that kind of yeah. goes along with it. Although, I mean, if people who have followed my channel are seeing, I, I grow uh, most all of my potatoes in fact this year uh, because of a friend we have some in-ground space so that'll be the first time i'm really growing potatoes in ground most of the time because we do small space gardening on the channel we do them in these large you know storage containers sure and, um, you know some years are really successful and some years not so much <laughs> and yeah. again too it all comes down to you know that experience of you know the harvest and i've and i'm telling you it and it always seems ever and it kind of worries me now too whenever i'm out there and i look at the container potatoes and i've got these big giant thriving plants that just look awesome you know early on i'd be like oh this is going to be great these are going to be awesome you know and then i would dig in and find these little <laughs> tiny things and not so much of anything and then you know I'd, and then i'd have these plants that were just kind of moderate and not so bad and then i would pull out these big giant things out of yeah. them on those seasons and stuff too so every time i see my plants are huge and thriving i get to worrying 
there's, <laughs> there's again, so too, many like, factors yeah there's so yeah, many factors yeah. the shade the i mean everything changes each year too so i get i, I know exactly what you mean yeah yeah and uh, and usually probably just a little bit too much nitrogen is probably the yep. issue when it comes to you know big giant flourishing leaves and plants and all of that sort of thing but it's it's exactly like you said it's a treasure hunt you know and you get you don't get to uh know what the treasure is until you start pulling them up out of the ground so again it's one of the i you know again it's one of those things that's kind of fun in the garden because you know you get that experience of growing them and and taking care of them tending the space and everything like that but you know ultimately you know you wait until that day you get to pull them out of the ground and find out everything that you have you know <laughs> and it's Absolutely. really great and, and they're so versatile not just when you eat them, the different ways you can grow them. There's so many opportunities and options, I should say. Um, like you, we do a ton of container gardening because we don't have a huge space. And so mm -hmm. container, we've done some vertical in, in hay vertical. We've done the roost out, which has been fantastic. And and I know a couple of people in the comments were talking about the problem with snails and other and other critters out there. But and we've had to deal with some of that as well. Try not, not necessarily snails, but some of the other animals coming in and and trying to snack on our our food too so that's the other challenge i think with these root crops like sweet potatoes is everything looks great and then you you pull one up and for us it's voles but they've come oh. in and they've eaten half of it and you see what would have been huge turned into a little thin piece of nothing that you can't even use so <laughs> oh, man i feel for you and everyone else who has to deal with those types of pest issues mine are mostly bugs and different things like that i don't really have too much of a worry when it comes to animals and that sort of thing getting into it but you know i i, I hear so much of people who have to deal with that you know from voles to deer you know being Ooh. you know these things that just come in and ravage what you're you know all those efforts you put into everything and i just couldn't imagine pulling things up and finding again too you know waiting all that time to you know find that harvest and find that when you uh, pull them out would be just really devastating but uh, luckily for you you're growing so much which <laughs> right. is always which is always my you know my uh, key to uh, growing things when you're dealing with pests and everything is is grow more than you need that way you know in case you do deal with some sort of uh you know pest devastation or something like that you'll have plenty for yourself yeah absolutely we we had um three years ago we had 120 uh, corn stalks coming in and the corn was looking nice and at harvest time i i'm sure a day two days before harvest we had a raccoon or two come in and I don't think I've ever been angry in the garden until that day because, you know, they would take each one off. Look like a person came in, take each one off, peel it down, take a bite oh and throw it. And so our entire line of corn was wiped out. The pests can be something else. Absolutely. Uh, something else. Yes, yes. The, you know, more so than weeds, they're just truly the bane of any gardener's yeah. existence for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So do you have any least favorite things to grow in the garden? Things that you, you know, just either don't like, don't eat, or, you know, are just cause too much of a hassle for you when you're growing? <laughs> That's such a hard question because one of the things we preach on the channel is to grow what you know you'll eat. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so most everything that we grow, we know we're going to like. So what I, I guess the way I'll handle that question is to say this. There have been a few things we've planted that we now can't get rid of because they so vigorously self-seed. Oh, if yeah. you go around my property right now, you're going to find strawberry spinach everywhere in containers. In it's like I don't know how it's been four years. I want to say since we planted, maybe three three plus years since we planted it. I don't know how to get rid of it. I've tried oh. everything, and, and I pull it up before the the berries come into the the. If you, I don't know how many people know what strawberry spinach is, but it doesn't taste like strawberries. It's not bad. <laughs> but the the red berries, which is the reason why I think you would grow it, so yeah. they have so many seeds, and so that's everywhere. And I would also say I like chamomile well enough, but but that's everywhere in our garden too. I think we initially planted that in two spots, and now that's yeah. every, you can find it in our walkway. It's coming up through one of the the, the area between a brick right now. I just yeah. noticed outside. So some of those that we don't have as much use for, but that still show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. I would say those would probably be my, if we had to say a least favorite, they're still usable. They're still yeah. um, fine in many ways, but when they're, when they're that aggressive, I'll take a step back from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I, it, for me this year in a similar situation I have is uh, I've got a little uh, herb garden. So I've got all sorts of things, oregano's, mints, uh, dill, chives, you know, all sorts of things growing in there. But the one thing I did and I, and I knew well enough, let's just grow it in a, make sure it's in a container, like all of our mints and everything, because they'll spread around or they'll get everywhere is a lemon balm. Uh-huh. You let, uh, you get one, just you, if you miss one seed pod or one seed stem coming off of this sort of thing, you're going to, oh man. And it's everywhere right now. It's, <laughs> Like you said, it's growing up out of the rocks and the cracks and, you know, all over the all over in any space. And even because I grow down an alleyway as well, too. And it's up at the front of the alleyway, the herb garden. So going down the alleyway, it's pop. You see it popping up all over, all over the place. And another one that's and another one that's really strangely like that, which took a few years before it actually stopped popping up all over the place after I let one go to seed one year was uh, tomatillos or I let let a couple of them go in or birds spread them around. But I had tomatillo plants growing like wild all over the place for a couple of years. It's amazing. You wouldn't necessarily think a plant like that that produces a fruit is going to spread all over the place like that. I don't really know how it actually get does it, but <laughs> we we had uh, in our so our community garden space, which I was working on earlier today. It's a pretty good area. But we had only planted some winter squash and corn. Those were our, our primary pieces over there last year and, and some sweet potatoes. But we had three or four tomatillos pop up that we yeah. definitely didn't plant. And so my guess is mm-hmm. when they, they clear out the whole area, they plow whatever's there. It just you're right. It seeds. It seeds everywhere. I've, I've definitely seen that as well. But I, I guess in a way it's it's somewhat like. When I say with tomatoes, if you've pl- especially cherry tomatoes, you plant it once, you probably never have to really plant it again because those seeds mm-hmm. are going to be <laughs> everywhere. Yep. But you know, I like tomatoes yeah, a lot, definitely. so it's not a problem. 
Yes, yes. my And that's how I got it set up with one of my favorite cherry tomato varieties. And I have a certain space and, and I do, you know, I just I purposely leave behind the biggest, juiciest looking ones and I let them just you know, ripen up and literally just fall off themselves off of the plant. And then I get them to reseed every single year. And we're like eight years in a row now, just, you know, having them just volunteer. I don't even have to think about seeding them or planting them ahead of time. And then I get my favorite variety of tomatoes just popping up every single year. Yeah. So they're really great. And, you know, but, but on the same time though, is that, you know, they fall and they drop right there in that spot you know yeah, hundreds and of that's where you yeah and that's where you can look forward to them popping up the next time i mean tomatillos for some reason those seeds find themselves all over the place and a similar relative of the tomatillo is the ground cherry and that's the yes. one you know that one is the one i really would like to see that sort of thing happen i wouldn't mind those volunteering everywhere you know like the tomatillo does but um yeah those are really good yeah, absolutely. I love ground cherries. All right. So what along the way of your gardening experience and everything inspired you to start a YouTube channel and share all of this with everybody out there? You know, what's really funny about having a YouTube channel is that you have a record of everything and then you can go back and look at your first couple mm -hmm. videos. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but well, quality <laughs> changes over time. But That's right. <laughs> but I, mean, I had something I wanted to I say I we had something we wanted to share and I think our and I don't think I know our first video was uh, setting up our our worm bin our vermiculture setup like a, a homemade setup and you know in conversation with my wife we we talked about how we're doing all of this we're trying our best to expand, to take away the necessity to be dependent on the store for our produce. We think it's important. We think it's good for our family. We think there's a lot that we have to share. And if we can expand our audience to reach more people, to encourage more people to try this, to, to really teach what we're learning as we go. And I think I, I try to make this very clear on our channel I've never claimed to be an expert at what we do, but I am somebody who loves to learn and who's willing mm -hmm. to share exactly what our path takes. And that was yeah. it. We, we saw this and we said, hey, we, we're doing this work. We think other people can take advantage of some of the same things we're taking advantage of, can learn from what we're, from our mistakes, from our, our, our ability to do the things that we do here. So why not take the opportunity and share that out with as many people as we can? And on top of that, a, a big part of what we try to do here is to give back to our community, um, our, 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 fa our, our YouTube community in, in particular. And so that's a piece. I mean, earlier December through February, we did our 31 days of giving where we tried to give, give things to people who are part of our community to give them another opportunity to move forward with whatever their gardening practice was. And so I think for me and, and for us as a as a family, it all comes full circle to being we're sharing what we have, we're sharing what we have as as part of our journey and that learning, and then we're trying to encourage other people to do the same thing because we know how beneficial it is. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And very similar for me, you know, I, you know, I started on the actually on the encouragement of others around me who saw the sort of things I was doing, because my gardening space is, is really kind of open to the public. I, you know, I kind of have an open backspace, uh, just a back cemented patio. I do all these, you know, small space containers, elevated raised beds. We're along an alleyway, which me and my neighbor also both kind of utilize those sides of the alleyway in order to grow things and all of that. We also, I mean, early on before I started my channel, we're growing, uh, I had a really cool pepper patch, container pepper patch up on top of a carport rooftop that we have off of our space. And um, people just walk by and we're always just kind of fascinated and asking me questions about things. And, and every now and then I'd get people who are like, you need to share this. You, you make videos or anything. I get questions on that. So that's kind of encouraged me because I'd already been uh, a huge fan of just gardening on YouTube and social media, you know, and that's where I really kind of learned and got inspired to do a lot of the different things that I was doing. So it just kind of seemed to be kind of a natural thing for me to just kind of go ahead and move on into that space myself and start sharing everything. And then also similar, and I like what you said about, you know, the idea that you're learning, you, you know, you don't, it's not necessarily that, I mean, and I kind of, struggle with the idea myself of saying that I'm a teacher of gardening because I think there's just so many great people out there that have so much individual knowledge on all sorts of aspects of gardening that are doing YouTube channels already and giving some really great advice including our guest we got coming up here later someone I've been following for many years and yeah, just absolutely. does tons of really great videos Gary Polarchik in the Rusted Garden and um you know, but I wanted to kind of give a chance to kind of show kind of the uniqueness of my garden, you know, but in the same time, um, you know, kind of more, more or less just kind of a garden experience versus a garden education, even though we're learning things, we're teaching the things that I'm learning and all that sort of stuff as well, too. But I really kind of consider it just more of kind of a garden adventure um, in a way, kind of, you know, we call it vlogs, call it a video diary or that sort of thing. Because what you mentioned at the beginning is that you get to look back at all of this stuff. Even if, even if it is a little cringeworthy, some of those early videos and all of that. But... <laughs> yeah, I think I love that. I love that about gardening is yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say, this is how you have to do this right. thing. Because mm -hmm. what works for me might not work for somebody else. Plus, who am I to say this is the, the number one way? But but for both of us, we can sit there and say, I'm exposing you to a way that worked for me or that this yep. worked this way for me. Give it a try. Yeah, exactly. You know, just kind of uh, just showing that experience to other people, you know, and try to be encouraging on that sort of level. And again, showing those things that work for me and kind of relay those a little bit. And, uh, you know, gardening is a constant learning process. You know, you should always be trying different things. And, you know, especially if you're looking for success in some stuff and you're just not finding it, reach out, try, do different things, experiment with things. I mean, that's kind of the fun of gardening in the long run. You know, I always say, you know, if you're not learning, you're not gardening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, you got anything fun planned ahead for your garden or your channel or anything that you can share with everybody? Well, we are in the, the season of trying to 
get everything out. <laughs> I'll say that. I thought your your uh, your opening segment segment was very appropriate. We got a whole yeah. bunch of stuff hardening off on our porch right now. It's been out there for about a week and a half, and uh, so we, we we're in that that mode of I'm so busy right now kind of mode. But um, we're doing some experimenting around with some true potato seeds. Uh, um, we've had to restart a couple of times, but that's that's exciting. Um, we have a bunch of vertical gardening work that we're going to be doing this year. I'm really excited for. Um, the green stalk, but also we have some homemade, uh, we call them vertical roost stout beds, but basically they're old tomato cages that are four foot tall, filled with hay that's now in year two. I'm excited to see what we can do with that um, this year. And you know, just a ton, a, a ton of work coming up, a ton of content. I'm actually got a video that's going to come out a little bit later today where we take a look at some of our potatoes that we overwintered in some sand and a bucket. And I don't want to spoil anything there, but um, you know, <laughs> potato, sweet potato content, hashtag team potato and team sweet potato team. coming up. Yes. Um, but all around, it's, it's just a busy time and we've got a ton of great content coming up on the channel. Um, yeah, that's that, that's it. We're, we're many awesome. and varied things. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy all of the things that you do on your channel and for everybody who's watching, be sure to get down in the description there, follow a link, go subscribe to Paul and his channel, Guten Gardening and uh, see all of those fun things coming up and uh, learn a little bit about some potatoes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right, Paul. Again, thank you so much for joining with us here on the Let's Get Growing show. It's really awesome to have you, and it was a great gardening conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having us, okay? Absolutely. We'll see you again Have soon. a great day. Yes. All right. All right. And again, too, as we mentioned on this show, a good way to support what we're doing here on the Let's Get Growing show is to support our sponsor, Ivy Organics. And uh, be sure to go to their website, check out uh, their um, fertilizer they have. And also they have this really cool three-in-one plant guard that you can use for all of your fruit trees. I really recommend what they have there. And um, also be sure to utilize our promo code GROW10 in their shop so that you can save uh, 10% off of everything that they have there as well, too. So awesome. So really great, again, to have Paul from Guten Garden with us joining there. And um, again, be sure to check out the links down below so that you can go and check out everything that they have growing on on their channel as well, too. And um, again, everybody, get into the comment section there and... Uh, ask any questions or anything like you have might have for our guests that we have coming up here in just a moment or anything else you might want to talk about. We did get a question early on in the show from Joe who asked if there was any early season surprises, probably talking about what I was talking about earlier. And um, for me, so far, again, I just got to kind of reiterate the biggest early season surprise for me is something I think I'm probably just going to have to start getting used to when it comes to growing in my area is this just really uh, early onset of summer weather. 
I mean, it's just really starting to get warm. I mean, most of my, you know, like uh, cool weather crops, some of them are just really getting started and really getting going in the garden right now. And, um, you know, uh, most of them are probably going to start shooting up into uh, shooting up to seed now because of all of this warm weather, which is kind of a you know, reaction, you know, a lot of your lettuces and greens and has to some of this uh, warm weather and um, especially my spinach. And I've luckily, though, too, luckily, I've gotten some really good harvests out of it so far, but I'm expecting those to, you know, to go to seed here in these next few days as our weather just seems to be pretty consistent into the uh, forecast as far as, um, all of this heat and everything that we're dealing with so again i don't know if it's necessarily a surprise but it is definitely something new that we're dealing with in the garden over the last couple of seasons as some of the climate and things are really changing here on the west coast you know um so just gonna have to develop some uh, strategies get our things started just a bit earlier and uh, those sort of things that i'll be working on this next season uh, as we go into our cold uh, season and come out of it as well too. You know, uh, this last year, I didn't have much of an opportunity to really get a lot of my uh, overwintering, gardening, and all those sort of things done because of the situation that I was dealing with here in my garden spaces of whether or not we were going to be staying in those spaces. And uh, so I didn't want to get a bunch of things started that I wasn't going to be able to complete or fulfill. And uh, we got all of that stuff all squared away over these last few weeks. And so I'm really kind of looking forward to really be able to strategize on doing things just a little bit earlier or working on things in a more overwinter uh, type of uh, situation where we can utilize some strategies to make sure that we're getting even more out of our garden spaces when it comes to our cool weather crops. Because, uh, again, summer just really wants to come and get to us really, really quick here. So... <laughs> Uh, we're just going to have to deal with that, move on to all of the other great things that we have uh, going for our garden with all of these starts. I mean, I've got tons and tons of things that we seeded out several weeks ago that I'm really working on right now, getting out into the garden. And I'm uh, really excited about seeing all of that stuff grow this year. Uh, some new varieties of different melons and squash and all sorts of different things that we're getting started with, too. So really looking forward to all of that and looking forward to talking with our next guest here on the show. Someone that I've been following for many, many years when I first started uh, gardening uh, all of the things that I was learning, I was, you know, going to YouTube for and following all these really great YouTube gardeners. And there's, you know, a good handful of them that have been doing it for a long time. And I've been really getting so much great information from and uh, definitely a lot from our next upcoming guest here on the on the channel for our featured guest. This week's featured guest on the channel or on the Let's Get Growing show is Gary Polarchik of the Rusted Garden. And Gary is the host you know, of 
Well, he's the host of the Rustic Garden. He's given viewers an unbiased information for them to use in their gardens. He covers all aspects of vegetable gardening from seed starting to tending, harvesting, cooking, and provides tools and ideas to battle garden pests and diseases. He has nearly 2,000 garden videos and is also the author of the book, The Modern homestead garden so let's welcome onto the show our friend and gardener gary Polarchik. gary awesome. thanks for joining with us here on let's get growing very happy to be here thanks so much for having me awesome awesome so let's um tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and your uh, gardening channel so my garden channel, The Rustic Garden, is, I think, 12 years old now. So I started uh, way back before I moved to this property that I'm on now and just wanted to make a video. And I was like, oh, there's a million videos on growing tomatoes. But I thought it was just a cool platform. And got started 12 years later. You know, I have a pretty good following, have a great passion for teaching. I just want people to get out into the garden, not be overwhelmed. And really get started growing vegetables the best way to learn is to kind of you know maybe watch a couple of my videos listen to you a couple of times but once you get the information get out in the garden start digging start planting and get started yes absolutely just get going just get growing mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the key you know and and uh like i find with gardening that there's just so many things sort of things we touched on with the last guest and all of that there's just so many benefits and so many uh things that's a, a value that you get out of uh gardening and the whole gardening experience so let's take a little step back and talk a little bit about your garden history what was your first gardening experience? It goes back to probably second grade when my grandfather would come over. Back then it was a six pack of tomatoes in a brown bag. Um, he'd bring some cucumber seeds and he'd really quickly sort of turn the ground, get the plants in. And that was really my first exposure. And that's part of what I'm trying to do now is get people to try gardening. Cause you don't know if you're gonna like it or love it or have a passion for it unless you try it. So he got me started around second grade and it kind of ignited a passion. So it stayed with me. And of course, as a kid, I love planting, love picking stuff, hated weeding and stuff like that. So never really got mm -hmm. fully into it, but enough that I was like, this is wonderful. And then when I got married, got space, I started with a townhouse, got some tomatoes in, grew on a balcony. And every time, you know, I kind of moved to a little bit bigger house, I expanded the garden and really for a good 15 years now I've been gardening in you know open space on land and just having a great time excellent excellent and um so you uh, got started when you were younger you moved you know and it kind of developed a little bit more as you got to got to be older what is it um that you really enjoy most about that whole gardening experience that you know kind of kept you growing into your adult years I think, I mean, I think about this a lot. Um, it's, you really have a blank can canvas. Like I kind of see gardeners as artists and you get to go out there with, you know, the miracle of seeds, you know, I can hold what 
10,000 pounds of food in my hand and seeds. So we get to go out. It's amazing, right? It is. And I can kind of just plant what I like. I get to watch it grow. It's rewarding in a sense. My energy starts turning ground, maybe. Um, put in the seed. And then months later, you've got beautiful plants that you can share that, you know, with family and friends. And I don't, I don't think anything really beats it. I mean, it's an opportunity to really create in nature. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's just really amazing. I think one of the real fascinating things uh, for me, and uh, I've shared before on the show here is that, you know, I started um, my love for plants in a sense started when I was younger. My mother was a house. She just grew tons of house plants. We never really had a vegetable garden or anything like that. But I got to learn to propagate and grow a lot of different indoor plants uh, growing up. And I carried that on in, into my adulthood and, um, and, you know, continue today, as you can see in the background. I love mm -hmm. The house is full of house plants. I still really enjoy that a lot. But when I took, like you're saying, you know, learning that fascination of taking just this little seed, just this little, you know, you know, just this little thing, putting it in some soil and then watching it grow, you know. And um, after I got to grow my first vegetable plant on a balcony on an apartment that I lived in, uh, you know, my fascination with all of that really really just kind of just exploded and um i was lucky enough to be able to move from that space into a little bit bigger yeah. space still kind of small but a bigger space and uh when <laughs> and that's the thing when you get a you know you get a real passion for growing and, and that starts to develop you, you can really find yourself even no matter how much space you have just not enough right, right? i know what you're <laughs> going to say exactly you're always <laughs> You know, you put in 20 tomato plants, then you're thinking, well, there's four I found on sale somewhere. I need to put them in somewhere. So you're always expanding <laughs> and maximizing. Yeah, yeah. And I've always finding myself not being able to get everything I quite want into my garden each year because I've filled it with all of these other things. And and, uh, and there's always new things that come up, too, right. every single year that you want to get put into your garden and all of that as well, too. But uh, again, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, that experience that you get, you know, and we touched on that too, again, you know, and, and it just seems to be something that kind of shows up with most of our different interviews with the other gardeners we talk with is that, that um, kind of peace and serenity and those sort of things that you get from growing a garden, you know, I think that's one of those first things of value that I think I started getting out of my garden, even more so than the food I was growing was right. just that, you know, just this, um, you know, not just a connection with, you know, the growing space, the earth, you know, the soil, all of that sort of stuff, but also just a better connection with myself and who, you know, you know, what my place in the world is as well, too. Yeah, I mean, some of, I, I also have, uh, I'm a mental health therapist by trade, so I worked at Johns Hopkins for 15 years and helped people that had major mental illnesses. One of the things that all people lack are just great activities. Nothing yeah. good happens sitting on a couch for six hours. So if you can get out into the garden, everything you're talking about kind of blooms in the garden, so to speak. Just serenity, peace of mind, just, you know, focusing all your senses on what you're doing in the earth and the smells of the tomato plant. It's just very relaxing and rewarding on so many scales beyond picking that tomato, like you're saying. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is too. And I think, I think a lot of people really get that from gardening. And I think it's probably one of the reasons why it's one of those things that's just really kind of, I mean, I'd say, you know, pretty good sized gardening community prior to what happened with the pandemic. But since that began, I think that people really connected with that when they had that, you know, it was really kind of their only opportunity to get out and do something was to kind of be in their yards and be in these spaces and developing gardening, you know, and I think, you know, it's really kind of exploded in that sense, because that's really one of those initial values you get from the experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that, you know, nothing good really comes out of the pandemic, except people did have that opportunity to do something maybe they just were never taught. Because, you know, I don't want to get on my soapbox about our society. Right. I think it's wonderful, but we lose <laughs> track sometimes of not the simple things, because it's gardening isn't simple, but it's just a simpler way of life for your wellness and your health and everything that we're talking about. It's just getting out there. And it could be small, it could be big, it doesn't matter. It's the act of growing that just is really rewarding. And that's something I try and stress to people. Like when I do videos and show my garden now, I show it in disarray because I felt like yeah. when I used to show it all nice and clean and perfect, it was stressing people out because they were like, my garden has to look this way. And it, my garden doesn't, you know, a lot of the times, yeah. but most of the times it's a mess, you know, so that's how it is, but it's still a beautiful place. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I've been following you and your channel and all of your great gardening advice. In fact, um, just earlier in the show, I have a little segment called In the Garden, and we started that segment out by showing people uh, my garden seedlings that I've been growing indoors uh, under lights in this really cool uh, PVC built apparatus and shop lights and all of that. And I do believe that was one of my very first videos of yours that I watched. It was complete. That whole garden state or uh, plant starting station was inspired yeah. by one of your videos early on that I saw, you know, and I've been kind of following your channel and all of your gardening ex experience since then and uh, gotten so much out of what you do. I mean, you really have created a, you know, a really great channel uh, with lots of great information. And also kind of one of the things I mentioned in your bio, though, too, is it's just, you know, you really discuss and cover things in real detail, you know, and really kind of give a really, you know, really good information, on all sorts of stuff. Um, what really kind of inspired you, you know, ultimately to take, you know, your gardening experience and uh, start sharing that on YouTube? It was really... Um... The fact that YouTube came into existence, you know, maybe 15 years ago, and I was really like, you know, what is this, this YouTube to really age myself? Um, yeah. And I decided to make a video because it's something I like kind of creativity and art wise, but I do have a passion for teaching and I thought it'd be a great platform to try and create my own style point of view, um, you know, not me talking 15 minutes about nothing and then saying here's how you put the cucumber seed in like I, my videos are really focused on five minutes ten minutes showing the person hopefully what they want to learn and then i have a rambling series where i do like you know a long-winded video but really trying to get teaching down sort of to a quick science so that people could get what they need get back out into the garden and then i started really enjoying hearing the comments from people about what was helpful 
or what they're growing in the garden or their feedback on how I could do something better. And I discovered gardeners generally, they're a wonderful group of people. Like you don't really find bigger gardeners around and it's such no. a good community and it just kind of kept me going. So it's, you know, I mean, I can't sit still. So it's good for me <laughs> to be able to grab a camera, go out in the garden, do some video, do the garden work. And then I just load it up and, and, you know, have fun with it. And it started as a passion. Like my goal was never to get X amount of followers. Although I always thought it'd be cool if I have a hundred, maybe I can get to 500, but just kind of fun. But it, it just took off. And, and now this is what I do full time. Yeah. I remember back when you got your first hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah. That was a really cool celebration. And what are you at now? I mean, you're marching towards 700,000, which is really great, which, you know, is, you know, a testament to what you're doing. You know, you're, you know, a lot of people are getting a lot of value out of the information that you're putting into the work you do and sharing your videos and all of that. I'm one of them. We've got, you know, several people here in the, in the chat, you know, who've uh, talked about uh, how much they've gotten from your channel as well, too. So really great work and all of that. Um, so out of all the things that you're doing in your garden and all of that, because I know you cover so many things and in, in all of that, what are some of your favorite things in the garden to grow? So, I mean, that is another good question, which always changes. And I had to think, I actually just like the act of growing. So yeah. I love placing the plants in a design and seeing what comes to be. So I have lots of different trellises. So I love building, I have a cattle panel trellis. It's four feet wide, two of them next to each other. So it's eight feet wide, eight feet wide. Yeah. So I love setting that up with cherry tomatoes. And then, you know, the trellis gets covered with cherry tomatoes and you can walk through the tunnel and come out the other end with a bowl of different colored cherry tomatoes. So that's the kind of stuff I like. So I like kind of getting everything into the ground, getting it set up, sort of having some creative design to it um, and just really letting, letting it grow. What I look forward to every year is tomato, cucumber, and onion salad, vinegar and oil, mm. slicing that up fresh in the garden. And I look forward to that every year. If I could only grow maybe three things, that's what it would always be. Be those three, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Anything that uh, you don't really grow or you, you've given up on growing or anything that's presented any sort of uh, constant challenges for you? Well, I was listening to you earlier talk about the uh, cool weather crops going into the summer and how they're bulking mm -hmm. the broccoli and all that. So yeah. that was a challenge. Every year I try and do it, you know, spring to summer. It does exactly what you said. It gets too warm. So I just wanted to let people know we could do that in a second season from late summer into fall. So if you have trouble with the warmth coming in summer too quickly, you can grow those again. Nothing, I've had to figure out how to do things. Like I can't grow rhubarb. I just put it in again. One plant is dead, the other one's taking off. Um, I used to not be able to grow ginger, I figured that out. So I like kind of problem solving. And it might take three years to figure out the right location. And then, you know, you move on to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Um... And I've talked about this before on the show as well, too. One of my my constant uh, issues in uh, or, or the things that I'm still working to try to figure out are brassicas. I just for some reason, you know, they, they just give me the, the most trouble. I end up 
going to one of my local nurseries and getting starts because it's really my goal, you know, kind of as we were saying earlier, you know, to be able to start things from seed because I love the the whole process of being able to do things from start to finish when it comes to growing things. But brassicas always seem to be an issue for me. Uh, but this year I've actually got some cabbages, which are really looking good, you know, and uh, the broccoli, which I ended up again going and getting starts. That's looking pretty good. But um, but yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, even though I'm not finding as much success with it, say, over the last couple of seasons, I, I remain determined to be able to figure it out, to learn that process and be able to have uh, future successes when it comes to growing those sort of things. Yeah. And you can, like a lot of people don't know, you can, you're not growing broccoli for this, but you can eat the leaves. You can eat the cabbage leaves before the head forms and stuff like that. So you'll definitely get something out of it, but it is kind of sticking with it and figuring it out. Um, and just in case you were kind of talking about the difficulty with the um, brassicas, when you're seed starting them indoors, I just discovered this recently. If your temperatures are like in the upper 60s, they tend to get real leggy and floppy in the house. So yeah. they do really well getting a cool period outside or being put outside at night. And that cold weather slows them down so you get these really nice stocky transplants. But that's a good example. For years, I was growing them, and I was like, I thought the lights were too close, or there wasn't enough light, and then mm -hmm. finally figured out it was just temperature. So they need much cooler nights as yeah. they're growing by seeds to be nice and stocky, and then you know develop for your garden. So probably maybe seed starting in uh, like a covered environment or something like that outdoors, kind of you know not get them too cold, but get that cool temperatures for them. Yeah, I think that that works best because they can actually take a light frost and, and even, you know, even a heavier freeze depending on their size. So they they just love that cool weather and that's what keeps them nice and stocky. Yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> it was uh, last year I uh, was growing broccoli in these um, wicking five gallon bucket containers and I had a whole bunch of different uh, broccolis and varieties growing and we ended up getting this freeze that was kind of unexpected and it lasted like the freeze must have lasted a couple of different days and i when you're <laughs> you're growing something in a container like that versus the ground you know that just becomes a solid rock right. and i was worried the whole time i'm like oh man this thing's frozen solid you know you can knock on the soil yeah. and just like and uh, I was just really surprised that, you know, come a week later, as that all thawed out and, and uh, everything that the broccoli just had no problem with it, just, you know, it thrived right through that whole situation. And uh, again, something that, you know, we're constantly learning about, but I was, I was worried there for a minute that that was going to actually be too cold for them. They're, they're solid. I mean, some of the plants would, would die up at the bro broccoli, Brussels, uh, cauliflower is a little bit weaker than broccoli, but I mean, it's a perfect example of why you can grow into winter because these plants can really take that cold. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really great idea, too. And as I was mentioning, I didn't have quite an opportunity this last year in order to uh, do that sort of situation, as you're saying, use that second uh, second season on those um, because of a situation I had here at home and whether or not I was going to be able to stay in my garden spaces. But uh, that's ultimately the, the same goal this year is to be able to do that sort of situation and try to find out, you know, if I get better success in that second season uh, with some of these uh, 
greens and brassicas and things like that as you're talking about yeah i mean and the other thing too is just to throw in there an easy growing vegetable for new gardeners are radishes radishes you can grow yes. they they will mature from germination in you know 25 to 40 days so fall and even winters that are mild you can keep the radishes going yeah they're actually one of those things that i always suggest to people if they're just getting started with gardening because i think it's a really good to like get and grow certain things not only that you're going to like and enjoy but also grow some things that you're going to get some successes with early successes help kind of keep you going with certain things you know and i think radishes and or even if you're you know uh growing with children and you're wanting to teach children mm -hmm. too you know about gardening and all that because of how quick they are like you said you know uh, um, you know, a quick turnaround on, on growing something from a seed to, you know, pulling it out of the ground is, you know, a really great thing when you're uh, growing with kids and also, again, to get those uh, early successes. So they're not hard to grow. I mean, I just take my radish seeds and I just pretty much toss them into wherever I'm going to grow them. They pretty much take care of themselves and I just thin them out a little bit later on. And that's the only thing I really have to do for those. Now, some people, I'm going to say, so when we were talking about things that are hard for years, all I grew was leafy greens and no mm -hmm. radish. And I was over fertilizing, you know, um, you know, you can use compost and a little bit of fertilizer, but I was just jacking yeah. the nitrogen up so much that I never was getting the bulbs. And just like you said, if you're just scattering them and throwing them and kind of letting them go, that's what radishes love best. And you, you get a nice radish that way. They just don't need really any kind of feeding yeah exactly i think and again too maybe we can touch on that a little bit too is is that idea of you know there's so many things out there when it comes to you know amendments and things like that that we can mm -hmm. put into our gardens and all of that but really you know gardening can be a lot more simplified by not really worrying about a lot of that sort of a lot of these sort of you know um i don't know how to say you know things that these products and things that are out there, you know, because all you really do need for most successes in the garden is some, you know, either some compost, simple things like worm castings are really great and that sort of stuff. And really the all I ever use uh, just a couple of times a year in my garden besides compost and worm castings is just a, you know, just kind of a balanced dry organic fertilizer. And, you know, I just kind of spread that around a little bit. And I always find that that I don't need anything more really and i don't need to put too much thought into you know these uh, all these other you know amendments that they have out there well the, the i call that the commercial world of vegetable gardening and mm -hmm. in the beginning you know when i was doing this i am guilty of maybe sort of being brainwashed into that needing more so i've simplified just like you said and a great example is when you go to a big box store and you see the organic dry fertilizer, which is what you're talking about. And I agree, you just need one bag, you know, whatever's on sale, it's all, always the same stuff. But you'll see tomato tone, you'll see plant tone, you'll see flowering, you know, fertilizer, you'll see leafy green, you'll see pepper, you'll see, you'll see like 13 different bags of fertilizer with the NP and K might be like a 642 or a 353. Mm -hmm. We don't need to worry about that. The garden, buy any bag. Whatever's on sale, use that. You don't need specialized uh, fertilizers. And the reason I bring that up a lot is because sometimes the barriers for new gardeners to get involved is they think they need all these products. Mm -hmm. And you just don't, you know. And 
So I like to kind of challenge people. Of course, you know, if you do a little more phosphorus, a little more potassium, you might get more blooms or as you get better at gardening and more experience and you want to tweak fertilizers, that's fine, but to get started, you don't, you don't need that. You know, dry granular, a basic water soluble. And like you said, if you can make compost, use compost, you know, it's well below a 111 NP and K gives your soil everything it needs, the plants, everything you need and you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and, and, you know, fertilizers is one, but all sorts of different things. I mean, when I, I think it can be a real deterrence to a lot of people when they look at, you know, all of these various garden products and all these sort of things that are out there and, and um, you know, you can, I mean, if you're just really going wild with a lot of those sort of things, you can end up spending a lot more Right. on all of these other things than what you're going to be getting out of your garden, you know, and gardening can be really inexpensive and probably, you know, really ultimately should be, you know, without all of these other, you know, just all of this stuff that's out there. You know, garden industry is a huge industry. It's, you know, billions and billions of dollars of all sorts of things that we probably just don't need, you know, just some simple boxes some simple containers, you know, creating a simple compost sure. pile, you know, and, and again, too, like you're saying, whatever kind of, uh, you know, balanced, you know, dry organic fertilizer yeah. just to give a little bit of food. But if you're doing things right in your garden and you're, you're keeping things kind of simple in an organic way like that, you know, that soil life is going to build itself and really, you know, kind of create the uh, sustained environment to create, uh, you know, successful plants. And, it, and I'm always respectful that not everybody, I mean, I started with a, a townhouse with a little shade and a deck, so I couldn't have a compost pile. But you can also, if you're not putting any chemicals on your grass, when you take your cuttings, just put an inch or two of the fresh cuttings on your beds, let them dry, turn brown, then you put another inch or two on. That is actually a way to compost right around the beds. Keeps moisture in, plants love it. So like worms chew it down break it down and you're you're actually composting slowly over the season just make sure you're not spraying weed and feed or anything into your lawn because that yeah. can transfer over to your garden and impact your plants yeah just you use that as a mulch basically mm -hmm. help build the soil life and then it, yeah again like you said it just will break down go right into your garden as well as you know some people use like uh, you know wood chips and things like that as well you know just some uh, good organic mulches that'll just kind of break down and help create and sustain good soil life yeah for sure and and it, again it's something you don't have to learn everything about gardening when you get started just get started and, and you'll learn all these pieces that build a wonderful soil that build a wonderful you know garden for your plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. As I mentioned earlier, too, you know, you, gardening is a constant learning process. And again, too, there's, you know, there's not too many things that are really hard and fast when it comes to gardening. You know, there's a lot of give and take when it, you know, it comes to experimenting and trying and doing different things. And I think that's really important for people as they're growing in their gardens to, you know, kind of, because we all grow in different places, you know, in different right. environments and climates and all that sort of stuff too. So what works for me might not exactly work for you that well, you know, but, you know, getting out and trying things is probably the best bet for, you know, you know, trying to figure out how it's done and how it grows and, and get some of those, you know, uh, early and long-term successes. 
Yeah, I, th I mean, I think, you know, use, um, you know, your information, my channel, um, whatever you find online to get you going in the right direction. Um, but mm -hmm. just, you're going to veer, but as long as you're going in that direction, you're going to get something out of your garden and you can always adapt and change it up the next year. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it, you know, especially, and once you start figuring things out, once you start getting some successes, those are, you know, those are things that you just build on, you know, you know, year in and year out. And, and again, like we also mentioned too, you know, one of the biggest things I always recommend to people, even though you're so tempted to grow anything and everything that's out there, try to keep it a little bit simple too, when you're getting yeah. started as well, you know, because, you know, building off of successes and expanding is the best way to go. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned there too, actually, just a minute ago that you were, and I remember uh, first starting watching your channel that you were, you were, you had like a balcony and you had some, uh, kind of a cool little small backyard kind of space mm -hmm. that you had, but uh, you've taken and moved from that space now into a much larger space. You want to talk a little bit about that move and uh, your newer spaces that you're growing in? Yeah, so my kids moved on to college and stuff and out of state. And about that time, my wife and I were like, well, let's move, you know, because they're going to be different places. So I was lucky enough after, you know, saving and doing things for, you know, a couple decades to move to two acres. I'm in a 1867 farmhouse that we upgraded and stuff. And I got this perfect rectangular property where I could take everything I did before and kind of create from a blank slate. So I've had a great time designing the fencing, the garden beds. I have two gardens, actually. Then I have a bunch of edible landscapes, um, a little wooded area. I've got an orchard going, you know, enough to keep me busy and <laughs> overwhelmed in a good way. Um, and now I have tons of compost. And that's why I'm always sensitive to compost because I never had the space. Yeah. But I'm always like, well, what kind of channel would I be now if I came on and said, just make your own compost, put <laughs> six inches in your bed, walk away, you're done. You're wasting money. But you can't do that because, like you were saying, all of our gardens are different. We're all coming from different places to grow, you know, different budgets, different amounts of time. Um, mm -hmm. So my goal is to help people just enjoy growing plants to whatever fits into their, their lifestyle. In my book, the, the Modern Homestead Garden, it was kind of, taking modern life into, you know, I don't know what's the right word. Well, just being mm -hmm. practical, you got your modern life, but yeah. you can sort of go back to having a garden, but how do you kind of blend it into, you know, our current society right now? And, you know, the short version is you do it at your own pace, you know, and you learn the skills and you do more. And when you can expand, you get bigger, but just start somewhere yeah yeah absolutely just get started as we say here let's get growing right <laughs> yeah, for sure. uh, all right so in fact you touched on it there too let's talk a little bit about in fact i got my own copy right here the modern homestead garden so um what kind of inspired you to write a book of all things to do i, I can't imagine yeah. that it took up some good time trying to get <laughs> it's a great experience when you're done <laughs> when you're done it's, is what yeah. i hear from a lot when of the authors done. we've had it's it's a great experience but the the publishing company and the people are wonderful and it was actually at the height of covid 
So it was a stressful time, but the book was finished and it was really designed a little bit what I, I'm having trouble with saying, I don't know why, but it's taking modern <laughs> life, blending it with gardening and it creates your homestead. And it's really about a different perspective. Instead of waking up, go to work, buying food at a grocery store, going out to eat, going to sleep, waking up, rinse and repeat, how can you integrate a homestead, you know, mentality into your life as little as, yeah. or a little, you know, piece, maybe it's a windowsill or, a, you know, your deck or something. How do you incorporate that into your life so that, no, you're not living out of your garden, you're not going off grid, but maybe you're adding herbs to your dishes or maybe you're adding, you know, a side dish eventually, or maybe you're creating salad, but just bringing the idea of your home is your homestead, not just a place to wake up, go to sleep, you know, go to work, come back and just have fun with it. And the book shows you how to do things on different scale, container gardening, larger scale gardening, herbs, just about everything. And it kind of mirrors my channel too, with all the stuff that I teach on there, but it's a nice place to have all the information to really get started and, you know, have the confidence to feel like you can grow something. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really great book. And again, like all of the different things that you have on your uh, channel and all the information, just really good stuff. And it's a great place for folks to get uh, a lot of uh, good advice. And talking about advice, you got any uh, good advice or tips or anything for uh, uh, someone who's just getting started gardening? So you kind of mentioned it already, and it's don't overplant. So that's the first thing is don't overplant your first year because you have to imagine you're going to be into July and August when your plants are big and you have to tend and care for them. So you may want to grow six or eight tomato plants, maybe start with three um, and just try and keep it a little bit simpler to start so you can kind of see the whole process. With that being said too, if you're growing in containers, the biggest mistake people make is, you know, you have a nice little tiny tomato seedling that's about eight inches tall and then you get this pot that's maybe 12 inches wide and 12 inches deep and they look perfect together <laughs> to start <laughs> but in six or eight weeks that tomato plant that root system is going to outgrow that pot it's yep. going to suck the nutrients out the moisture out you can water it you know three hours later it's dry again so you really have to match the pot size to the mature size of your tomato plant or the vegetables that you're growing and some of that, you know, you can check my channel out for that, or you can look for different places. But you always want to be thinking about how big is this plant going to be when it's mature? Mm -hmm. Can I tend it? And is it in, in the right pot? And that's probably two things I think that, that help gardeners out. Um, the other thing I always talk about is there's no perfection. Like the whole idea is to manage down pests, manage down diseases, you know, the garden wants to give, it wants to grow, and, and you're going to get something out of it. But you can't get discouraged because you get powdery mildew or you get aphids. That's just something mm -hmm. you have to learn. And every garden's going to have its own pests and problems. Yep. And that's part of what you have to learn, too. So don't get it in your head that you're a failure or you're not you're doing something wrong. Any garden, I always laugh, any gardener that says just grow organic i never have a pest or disease maybe yeah. there's truth to that but it's because they probably have no pests or diseases in their <laughs> area you know yeah it's just the way it is you know you're going to get the problems 
Yeah, I grow organic and I get plenty of pests and plenty of diseases to deal with, all sorts of them. And again, like you said, it, it does depend on our space. It depends on, you know, where we're growing, you know, as far as specific climates and regions and things like that on all what we're going to be dealing with. And similar to what we touched on earlier, you know, one person uh, might have, uh, as uh, Paul had earlier, uh, voles that he deals yeah. with. I don't got voles I got to deal with. I don't got deer I got to deal with. But man, I can get it. I can get an infestation of squash bugs like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> you know, we talked about earwigs, earwigs. Oh, my gosh. You know, the most creepiest little bugs I got to deal with all over the place. You know, all that stuff powdery mildew, as you mentioned, too, all sorts of things. But I think that's really great advice, though, too, and something that I, you know, I try to, you know, relate to uh, people as well, too, especially if you're just getting started gardening, is is that these are things that, you know, are a part of the natural, you know, system of, you know, plants and gardens and things grown outdoors is all of these sort of variables and, um, you know, part of i think in a sense you know the fun of learning about gardening is learning and dealing with some of these challenges mm -hmm. you know I, I i mean i try not to let it you know break my heart too much you know when the aphids tear something down or something and i want to you know or something got past me on some other, some other sort of problem you know is to you know again we talk about keeping garden journals here on my channel and stuff so that we can you know keep good notes on you know time of year when we're dealing with this stuff you know and different methods that we've tried to you know take care of them and work on that from a year-to-year -year basis you know? i think that i mean that's perfect i just want to highlight what you said you don't know as a new gardener what's coming but if you can take notes, like you said, and say, if it show up this date, powdery mildew this date, then you can put a plan where you start spraying, you know, two to four weeks before they typically show up. And then yeah. you can manage down the destruction. But a lot of people are managed down the damage. A lot of people um, don't keep that journal. So it's so important to take, because mm -hmm. I think I ate for dinner two or three days ago. So there's no way I'm going to remember next year when the aphids show up or something so <laughs> taking notes makes a huge difference um, and also taking note on what you're spraying what works and what doesn't work really makes yeah. a difference because eventually you'll learn it's like these two diseases you know these three pests and then you figure out a way to, to work around it yeah and you know uh, you might not get quite what you wanted or expected out of your garden for that season but you know that's you know it's Again, too, there's one thing to be able to grow something from a seed, grow this plant up and be able to possibly harvest something out of it. You know, there's a lot that we get out of that. But I think that in the longer uh, run of the gardening experience, you know, taking some of those things and challenges, you know, we might not get the harvest we want. The plant might not be healthy enough, you know, whether it's a disease or a pest or or weather issues or, you know, all the different variables but when you you know like i said you if, if you're keeping a proper journal and you and you uh start to defeat some of those things and you start getting successes because you've mm -hmm. done that that's another just empowerment of being a great gardener you know you know not necessarily a master gardener but you've mastered you're mastering gardening you know in a sense by by uh you know doing that and that's really kind of fulfilling as well too 
Yeah, I think I think you end up you master the space that you're growing in, um, mm -hmm. and you're not going to exactly. find all that in videos and through reading and, and research. Um, you'll have an idea. Like I don't get earwigs. I couldn't even probably pick one out to be honest with you. But people <laughs> get them and they're terrible. Yeah. I just don't get them here um, yeah. for whatever reason. But that's good. Yeah, so I'm grateful. I'm going to knock on wood because I said last year that I've never had a vole and voles roll into my garden. Oh, so my gosh. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, but you, you're not going to know until you get growing. And I just want to add in, too, that some of the things you learn is like you put, you say your cucumber plants go in May. The cucumber beetle comes about now, wrecks them in June. You learn that you can use a dust and it controls the cucumber beetle. But you can also rip out that cucumber plant put in transplants or new seeds, and you can plant through the cycles of insects and different diseases because they go away. And a mm -hmm. lot of people, well, I lost, I failed, I'm, this cucumber's gone, and they get rid of it and they get discouraged. Well, just plant again, because that July planted seed for cucumbers will start producing at the end of July because it's so warm and it wants to grow, and it'll grow into yeah. August. And you can plant again in August. So you can keep your crops, a lot of them, rotating in and you plant right through the problem cycles. Yeah, exactly. And just another one of those things that's, you know, fun to uh, figure out and grow through the different experience and learning processes with all the sort of aspects of gardening, because there's a ton of aspects of gardening. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so much fun is that it, there is so much you know, as far as not just the varieties and the different things that we can grow, but the different methods and different, uh, you know, uh, uh, styles of growing, all sorts of stuff. And, and it's just one of the things that makes the whole kind of gardening experience really fun and, and really kind of, you know, a little bit more on that is that I also kind of relate gardening to baseball. I'm a big right. baseball fan and, uh, you know, or, or just most any sports is, is all is that, uh, you know, um, we might not have the best season, you know, with our team that year, you know, but it, similar to gardening, there's always next year. Right. And then there's, all, you know, that sort of thing. It's something that we get to do year in and year out and, uh, you know, building on some of the successes we have this year can create an even more successes the next year. So again, don't get discouraged by different uh, the different uh, situations you could deal with in your gardens. Yeah, I totally agree. And one more thing I want to add that kind of goes with this and make and something for new gardeners. Um, when you create the organic sprays that you see online, you know, and I always thank people for trusting me, always test spray because I'm saying this from history where mm -hmm. I made a spray and I sprayed the entire plant. And then the next day I defoliated it, like the leaves are dying. So mm -hmm. as you're learning about your garden, even though a spray may work for me and it may work for you, for some reason it may not work in somebody else's garden, or you use the wrong soap, you use dish soap, or I'm using maybe the Castile type soaps or something. Like yeah. That. Anyway, any spray, spray a couple of leaves, wait 48 hours, see if it does any damage, and then go out and spray your plant. That will save you a lot of heartache. And just because the spray works on, say, a kale plant or the brassicas, which are really tough leaves and can mm -hmm. take lots of sprays, you then may take that spray and say, well, I'll just spray it on my tomato plant. Well, those leaves are a little bit weaker. So you have to test the sprays on each of the different plant um, kind of varieties. And then once you get them, you know this is a spray I can use pretty regularly. Yeah. You got any sprays you recommend? Any 
spray recipes or anything yeah, like that I mean, that you I use have, a lot? I have a lot of them. Um, if you go to my channel, I always say, please yeah. just watch the video, but I'll, I'll give you the recipe. Um, I mean, I can show you too, but this is hydrogen peroxide, 3% yeah. hydrogen peroxide. If you spray that directly on your plants, you're going to defoliate. How do I know that? Because <laughs> I did it. So one part hydrogen peroxide, six parts water makes a great spray to clean your tomato plants and it stops uh, early blight and leaf spot. So I can plant tomatoes yeah. much more closely nowadays. I mean, please, you know, the rusted garden, R-U-S-T-E-D. Um, you can see my YouTube channel. Just look up hydrogen peroxide. I will, I don't think it's because of my age. I think it's just because I always do it. I can't remember the recipes exactly. So they're yeah. all written on my sprayer. So when I go out, I yeah. have like peppermint oil, two tablespoons or um, hydrogen peroxide, one to six ratio, or six to one water to hydrogen peroxide. But that's a good way to do it too. It's write it on, on the spray, on the um, sprayer so that you don't mess up the, the routine. Yeah. Um, but hydrogen peroxide is wonderful. I think it can be used on all plants. I haven't tested it all out, but it's a really inexpensive way to manage stuff on your, your plant leaves. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to use a little bit more of that myself too. And, um, and, uh, as well as a lot of the other great advice that you give on your channel, it's just, again, like I said, I've been just a big fan of, uh, YouTube uh, gardeners and gardening, you know, for, you know, um, I started my garden, 13 years ago or so it's been when i first started after my first plant i grew on a balcony and once i had that success with that plant i immediately again like i said wanted to grow everything and moved into a space where i could really start to expand my garden but uh i utilized all of uh, the great advice i got from uh, all these different great gardeners on youtube and one your channel was one of those first channels that i uh you know ran into and and uh, have uh, kept coming back to in order to uh, get some really great gardening advice so as you can say i've been kind of a fan for many many years and uh you know really appreciate everything that you do and taking the time you do to make your videos writing a really great book um I would, you know, actually, I did want to mention this, as you mentioned, you worked in the mental health space and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think uh, I've seen you post and talk about it before, but maybe that's a good suggestion for your next book. So Writing a little bit about something like that. Yeah. So I actually have another book coming out called Growing an Edible Landscape. That's going to be out in November. Oh, awesome. Um, and I've kicked that. So, I mean, the short version is, is, you know, you hook up with, editors and, and book companies and they kind of want you to write something that will hit the target audience and i wanted to write a book that really highlighted how to grow but also at the same time integrated how it benefits your mental health so let's just say that's on the drawing board still um yeah but it might be something that i do independently and i just write an ebook on it because i really believe in it and it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like Mental health is not a mystical thing where you go into support groups and everything is, you know, kind of gets that funky kind of stuff that people shy away from. Mental health is really part of your life. We all deal with anxiety and depression at different levels. We all um, need help at times. Um, but a healthy activity like gardening pays dividends towards your wellness, your wellness 
improve your mental health, reducing anxiety, improving mood, and stuff like that. And I would just like to write it in a way that people feel comfortable, you know, talking about it yeah. and, and getting something out of it. Because it shouldn't be a mystery. It shouldn't be something people sweep under the rug, you know. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to go breaking down my therapist soapbox. But there's nobody's mental health that is always perfect, just like there's mm -hmm. never a perfect garden with no pests and disease. Um, yeah. May look okay on the outside, but something's going on, on the inside. But gardening is a great way to really improve your wellness. So yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll come out as an ebook or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I really encourage it because I think you would probably be a really great person with some really great insights on that, uh, you know, on the mental health end of the the gardening experience and be able to really uh, give some people some really good information when it comes to all of that too. And uh, I would really look forward to something like that as well. And uh, again, too, I want to encourage anybody who's watching the show to get down in the description below find a link to Gary's channel, The Rusted Garden, and follow along with all of his really great gardening tips and all of the different things that he's got going on on the channel there as well. And uh, Gary, I really want to thank you for taking your time out of your weekend to uh, join with us here on the show. I had a great time. I'd love to come back in the future. This was a lot of fun. I, you know, aside from growing and creating I love just talking about gardening. You know, I just came from Freetown Farm where I volunteer. Yeah. You know, zipped over here, shot a quick video that's coming out later today on trellising. And yeah. just, I had a blast talking with you. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, you got a new book coming up. So after the new book or something like that, maybe we'll have to have you back on and talk about it as well. Wonderful. Awesome, Gary. Thanks again. And again, everybody, get down below, check out the link to his channel. Go check them out. Gary, we'll see you again soon. Have a great week. Thank you. All right. All right. Excellent. Another really great show this week here. Really a couple of great conversations with uh, Paul from Guten Gardening, talking about all of his great things going on with him and his garden and garden experience. It's one of the things I just really, really enjoy about this show is be able to just have these really great discussions that, you know, not just about the things that we've got growing on in our garden, but, you know, all of these different things and aspects of the gardening experience that uh, a lot of uh, us in the gardening community community love sharing with everybody and uh, and also you know talking to gary polarchik i mean really that's a big one i mean i was really excited all week or even since i actually had him booked to be on the show i've just been really excited to be able to talk with him as being someone that i've followed for many years and uh you know to just get to have a great conversation about gardening and the whole yeah, you know, again, gardening experience. And that's just one of the things that we just really love about this show. And the reason why I started this whole show was to be able to have these really fun conversations with all of these. Just, I mean, there's so many really amazing gardeners out in the gardening community. And I just, you know, I, I'm a big fan of so many people. I follow so much going on. And, you know, again, too, one of those things, and, and I'll even share this with everybody as well, too, is that's, you know, there's a lot of things going on with social media. And there's a lot of places and things that just, you know, aren't really the best for us to be spending our time in, you know, and I hear all the time from people who are, 
uh, you know, quitting either Facebook or, you know, quitting Instagram or doing these things because, you know, it just becomes too toxic or negative for them. Well, you know, one of the strategies that I did because I'm such a big fan of uh, uh, the gardening community and all of that sort of stuff is, you know, I all I do is I, I push that stuff out. I block all of that, you know, negative stuff out of all of my feeds and I keep all of these great gardeners and, and all of these uh, different uh, gardening pages and channels and authors and, you know, podcasters and you know just all these different people are in in what i see every day when i open up any of one of my social medias you know and uh that's you know i think a really great uh, piece of advice is you know just kind of surround yourself with your community and i don't think there's a better community out there than the gardening community just so many wonderful people who are just so willing to share uh the experience and the enjoyment that they get from uh gardening and um again one of the uh you know i just can't recommend enough is uh you know all of the different things that we've got growing on here with our channel and all of the different people that we get to talk to so please everybody if you can to you know like subscribe and share our channel to uh everybody out there and all of your gardening friends and um be sure to make sure that everybody knows what we got going on here each week with all of these great conversations with everybody and also again to be sure to stop by and check out our website the uh let's get growing dot live and uh yeah and also you know um as i like to mention too ivy organics is our sponsor of the show and uh be sure to go to ivyorganics.com and they do have a really good well-balanced dry organic fertilizer as we were talking about in the previous conversation with gary and i think that's a really great one it's doing really, really awesome things for our garden. So I really highly recommend that to you in your garden as well, too. As their three-in-one plant guard that they have as well, if you're growing any trees or anything like that as well, too, and uh, creates just some really great plants. And as they say, they grow really cool plants at Ivy Organics. You can grow really cool plants yourself. And be sure to use our promo code GROW10 in their shop to save 10% off of everything that they got growing on there too. So again, I want to thank Paul from Guten Gardening, Gary Polarchik of the Rusted Garden for joining in with us today. And next week, next, oh gosh, you want to talk about exciting. I, I, get, I get excited, I think, every week for every guest that we have. But uh, I first started uh, following next week's guest when I, I think I was late teens in my early 20s. He does a uh, radio show out of the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area as well as he's on all of the uh, different um, news channels and all of that doing different garden segments and all of that and he's a really great character he's probably one of the funniest people that i know when it comes to gardening and uh, giving gardening advice and that's cisco morris so we're gonna have cisco morris on the show next week i'm really excited about that so you'll want to tune in next week to check out that great conversation as well too and also be sure 
follow all the links down below in the description to today's guests, next week's guests. And also there's a link down there in the description to our Facebook group, the let's get growing group. I really think that uh, we have a great gardening community here on the urban gardener channel and the let's get growing show. And if you haven't yet joined, so if you're here in the, chat box right now and you haven't joined with us on the let's get growing group get down in the description below follow the link to our facebook group join with us share all of your awesome gardening pictures and experience and all of those sort of things with everybody in our group and uh yeah just be really wonderful to have you all along with us on our group there and uh, we look forward to seeing you there as well as this next week too for our next show so again from all of us here at let's get growing you have a great week and we'll see you all this next saturday